I love about Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, we have this wonderful right of participation. We get a voice. We all have a voice in Alcoholics Anonymous. And we have a wonderful right to appeal. We get to have a minority voice. So if I have an opinion that differs from you, I don't get shut down. Nobody tells me to be quiet and sit down. We get to listen to each other, and I just love that. So I'm very grateful to be here. I'm glad I got to get up and preliminarily speak because it's taking away all the nerves that are coming with me on this trip. They're gone. I'm okay now because you're just me, right? And, and that's what's the beauty of Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank you. Okay, we have just over a little ha over half an hour. I'm going to, maybe this won't be the most efficient system. I guess people, if you raise your hand, I will come to you and you can ask a question and just, you can ask of a particular speaker or of all of them or some of them. Um, oh, thank you so much, oh my gosh, okay. So just as a reminder, in case you're still learning names, we have Barb, Leanne, Allison, Danny, Pixie, and Rebecca, so. If you have a question, raise your hand, and Conan will come to you with the mic. Or maybe the panel has questions for each other, I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna ask a question then. Okay, so my question is all of these, um, speakers are very involved in service and I want to know what the hardest challenge has been for you in a home group for dealing with a troublesome situation and how you dealt with it. And I'm going to start down here with Rebecca. How to, how to deal with it? Well, <laughs> we come in here with troublesome situations, so I'm not sure how to how to address that except to say this. The only, the only requirement for membership in Alcoholics Anonymous is a desire to stop drinking. So as long as you have that desire, as long as you're sitting in, an, in a meeting, as long as you're sitting in a service meeting, you have a right to be there. And so I don't know, troublesome situations. You know, I think about that whole issue that we have about safety. I think that's one of the issues that arises for people and how do we handle that? And on this really wonderful speaker tape that I was listening to with the old timers, this, uh, this speaker described, you know, he and two or three other guys taking somebody out because they were physically aggressive. And because we all have the right to be there, if someone's physically aggressive, then that interferes with that. But what I loved was this. He said, we took this person outside and we said, now, if you can calm down, you can come right back in. And if you can't calm down right now, you can come back here tomorrow. All you have to do is stay calm so that you can participate. We want you here. So I love that, and I, and I think that's a really difficult area to address, and I loved how they addressed it. That's really good. 
Uh, how did I handle a particularly troublesome situation in a service meeting? Well, we all have a different style, right? And I used to sit in service meetings and listen and listen and listen. And the book talks about bleeding deacons or elder statesmen. And there was a big topic about smoking in meetings or not smoking in meetings. And I listen and listen and listen. But I think uh, one thing that sticks out is I went to a GSR meeting and we were sitting in this place and they had talked for about an hour over $18. And I was tired and I was hungry and I was listening and listening and listening. And the conversation was about, this is big business, this is business, $18. And when my patients ran out, I said, you know, I know what big business is. It is not $18. I have a 20 in my pocket. I think it's time to move on. And I was going to get up and leave that meeting. And I had a friend sitting next to me because my ego was all involved. I had a friend sitting next to me that was, his leg was against mine and it kind of like grounded me and I stayed through that meeting because my ego is like, I'm done with this. I'm out of here. I can't take this anymore. Um, so I said what I said, they moved on and the business meeting continued. But I don't like that kind of thing. I don't like to do that. I felt sick to my stomach and I was full of myself. It was like a 95 degree day in Columbus, Ohio and I went out to my little mommy minivan and I opened the door and it smelled like there was a dead body in my minivan. And what my higher power had done is, I had forgotten a can of night crawlers from when I took my son's fishing and had left them in the van on a 95 degree day and they were rotting in the back of my van. And I went back and found them and threw them in the trash and rule 62 kicked in and I started laughing at myself. Nothing is that important. Nothing is big business. Don't take myself so seriously. So I was a secretary of my, uh, I'm glad this isn't being recorded. Is this being recorded? Uh-oh. <laughs> Tell the truth, right? So I was a secretary of a meeting which shall go unnamed. And uh, there were some things going on in the room that I didn't really agree with. And it, they had always been kind of going on, but I never really had to associate myself to them because not sitting up at the table being the secretary, I could just go and know what my primary purpose was, which was to reach out to the new guy and say, how you doing, bro? That was my job. But when I became the secretary and I was sitting up at the table, I became I somehow felt like I was attached to some of the politics that were going on and I, because I was sitting up at this table. And I was only halfway through my commitment. So I called my sponsor and I said, look, you know, I'm, I, I really uh, don't care to be uh, the secretary sitting at that table anymore. And my sponsor is not a dictator. He didn't say, well, you took the commitment and you're going to go through it. I mean, my sponsor is... He bought me an air conditioner when I was new so that I could feel comfortable. He bought me a coat uh, at Christmas time so I could be warm. All he's ever wanted to, for me to be was comfortable. And he said, I want you to go to that meeting next Thursday and I want you to tell him you can't be the secretary anymore because you're no longer comfortable there. 
because I, I don't know about you, but when I go to a meeting, I, I like being feeling glad that I'm part of a certain meeting. And I, I live in LA, we have probably over 3,000 meetings a week, you know, so I'm gonna go where I'm comfortable, and that's my experience. So I guess I'm pretty lucky that I've never had to personally deal with a difficult situation in terms of being responsible for changing what was going on, perhaps. But the things I think that I've seen that, that have informed me of, again, the unity piece of, of what we do is there have been a few meetings in where I live at, in Anchorage um, where somebody's behavior was disruptive and they were asked to never come back to the meeting and I find myself enraged by that sort of thing because we do not kick people out of AA. You know, you just, I, I don't think that's okay. Um, there have been a few times though when people have been disruptive and kind of like what you were talking about, uh, about taking them outside and talking to them and having them calm down and having a little mini meeting out in the parking lot you know, and that kind of thing I think is wonderful for, for us to, you know, when someone is disturbed, if we can embrace them and help them to feel safe and comfortable again, I think that's really um, worthy. And we have a number of people in, in some of the meetings that I go to who are fairly mentally ill as well as being alcoholic and they keep coming and they're sober and they do the best they can and sometimes their behavior is a little different and most of the time they are treated with love and respect and I'm really grateful that we have that kind of unity in, in Anchorage. Um, but and, and recently there was somebody who was disturbed that we were not behaving well during the seventh tradition and they couldn't hear the secretary making the announcement during the, during the seventh tradition and so this person got up and yelled for us to be quiet. And um, apparently some people got upset with that and talked to somebody and then somebody wanted to have a business meeting only about that. And so I, you know, basically I think my approach generally is if it's a one-time disruption and they don't do it again, then I just kind of like let God be in charge of that and maybe people will get some information about who they are from their reaction to the situation. If it continues to happen, then I think it's okay to take someone aside and say, hey look, this is disruptive, please respect the group. Um, but I have never personally had to, had to handle something to the extent of asking someone to do something different, I guess. But I've been watching, and um, but the one thing is, please don't ever tell somebody not to come to a meeting. You know, just ask them to behave, I think is appropriate. So. Well, it, it seems like we beat this one to death. Maybe. <laughs> you can pass. Of course, yeah. You have the right to pass. I'm going to pass. <laughs> 
do you want to ask your question? Sure. Hi, I'm Betsy, a member of Al-Anon. And um, this question is for Pixie, because I heard her talk last night, and you said you're a member of Al-Anon, as well as AA. And um, I've always been intrigued by the idea of service. And uh, in Al-Anon, sometimes um, there can be, oh, it went away. What? It's OK. It's OK? Oh, OK. Um, uh, I came into the program being of service to everybody else. And it wasn't healthy service, I learned. But um, there's, a, there's a level for me. My sponsor said, right now, you just need to be here and sitting and not doing for anybody else. I'm not a member of, the other pro of AA. So do you see some differences around service and how that feels or how that looks? Healthy service in the programs. So I think the question is, what's the difference between service and codependence? <laughs> Right? And being a double winner. Right. What's the difference between service and being a martyr? Right? So I read something from the 12th step in the um, 12 and 12 last night, and it talks about unconditional love and giving. When I'm being codependent, manipulative, mothering, and being a martyr, there are hooks in every single thing that I do. I do not believe that a higher power has my back. I believe I am the higher power. I believe that I am the source of the energy and the resources and the knowledge and the wisdom, and it's all me, and it is totally exhausting. But when I come into recovery, and I realize in Al-Anon and in AA that selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of my problem. Martyrs are the most selfish people that I've ever known, and that's me. I'm only thinking of me. I am not a people pleaser. I am a pixie pleaser. If I am pretending to please you, it's because I want you to like me. I want you to change how you think, feel, or do around me. But when I am being of service, it is totally unconditional. I had somebody, I don't even know who it was, call me and says, oh, I have a newcomer. And I told her I would meet her at the meeting, and she didn't show up, and blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, that's the way it goes. That's what newcomers do. They don't show up. But I show up. It's a commitment for me. And I get to stay sober, and I get to go to a meeting where I get to hear something that I needed to hear for that day. And I get to stay sober another day. Bill didn't tell Bob his story to save Bob. Bill was telling his story to save Bill. It was totally a selfish act. My recovery depends on showing up with you with no hooks attached. My recovery depends on my connection to a power greater than myself that I know has all the energy, all the wisdom, all the time, everything that I need. I am not the light. I am the window through which the light shines. I wonder if any of our other speakers, oh, I see hands, okay. okay. Hi, I'm Jason, alcoholic. 
I had a question about service. Um, you know, making coffee and all that's one thing, but when you get up to GSR, you know, treasure representative, is there a a point where you know you should be at a certain step? Should you, should you be at the twelfth step or just whatever feels comfortable for anybody? Oh, I love that question. And the first thing I thought of was as you move up, but we're really not moving up, we're moving down because we have this, this type of pyramid. So as we're moving forward in positions, you know, we're just doing more and more service work. That's all we're doing. And if we continue to do more and more service work, it will help us get to where we need to get in our own recovery. I have had to do steps around service work. I've had to do, I've gotten resentments in service work. You know, I've, I've gone to my sponsor and said, oh my gosh, did you hear blah, blah, blah in the meeting? And, you know, did you hear what happened? And how could that be happening? And, and you know, my sponsor is just, it's none of your business. You know, it's none of your business. Do you have something to offer here? Because if you don't have something to offer here, you need to look at your own part. You need to look at what you need to do to make things better and to improve the situation. So when I think about that and I think about where do we need to be in order to do service, and I think that is the question, where do we need to be personally in order to do service? It seems to me that if I have a sponsor, if I have a service sponsor, and sometimes that can be the same person, uh, if I have that person, they help direct me, but I also am just available. I'm just available. If somebody asks me, hey, are you able to do this? If I'm able to do that, I'm available. And so that what, that's what helps me to grow as a human being is to be in those situations. Sometimes they're a bit uncomfortable, but those are the situations that help me grow. Thank you. Um, I'd like to go back to the previous question about conflict and whether we've ever experienced conflict in service and how we've handled it. Because what I noticed was the AAs spoke about it, but neither of the Al-Anons spoke about it. And um, <clears throat> I'd like to break that pattern. Um, so as a GR, I have experienced conflict, uncomfortable situations, and there's two that I've walked through people in this room with. Um, one was at the area level, uh, and then one was at the group level. And I'm just gonna address the one at the group level because I've heard how some other people have dealt with it. And I think part of a group conscience is hearing a variety of perspectives. So, at the group level, we have had, uh, I have experienced a, a person who has a very strong personality uh, come to the meeting and repeatedly break the traditions. And uh, I have spoken with that person one-on-one -on -one about my discomfort with that 
and it was met with a lot of resistance. And then the traditions continued to be broken, specifically traditions around um, Al-Anon is not affiliated with any sect or denomination. We do not use outside literature in our meetings. We do not refer to other 12-step programs. We do not talk about other religions. religions. We do not talk about politics. And I think later in Summerfest, maybe right after this panel, we, there's another meeting on safety. And discussing those things can make people feel unsafe. Um, if I don't affiliate with your religion and you bring up the, your religious beliefs, I start to wonder whether I belong. If you have a political stance and you start bringing it in repeatedly into the meeting, I might feel unsafe. Adherence to the traditions is a suggestion, but adherence to the traditions makes, I read something, it ensures our program. And so if those things are repeatedly being violated and I'm not saying anything about it, then I'm also not adhering to the concepts in which participation is the key to harmony and it is important that I'm speaking my opinion. So when there's conflict and I'm feeling it and I'm not doing anything about it, then I am not working my program. And so uh, it's important, it was important for us to, to talk about it. And so the topic was brought up at a business meeting and it's really hard to talk about an individual without it being considered gossip. So how do you do that in a loving, kind way? Um, so uh, the way that we attempted to do it was to leave the person's name out of it and uh, to try to stay focused on the issue. And uh, the group decided to create a ad hoc committee in which we would meet outside of the business meeting to try to address how we would deal with that individual by thinking about all of the traditions. And we decided to write a letter to the individual in which we would repeat what we thought were the traditions that were being broken and request that that individual think about those traditions. And it felt a little uncomfortable. I mean, honestly, when we met in that committee, I was on that committee, there were four of us, it felt like a fine line between gossip and addressing the issue. And I needed to talk to my sponsor about it, and I needed to journal and pray. And in the end, we wrote a letter that is a letter that we continue to have in our binder in which if there's anybody who breaks the traditions that we could show that letter to. And basically it, it says we value and want your presence in our meeting. And our primary purpose is for families who have been affected by the disease of alcoholism. And 
safety is of primary importance, and so we ask that you talk with your sponsor about adhering to the traditions of the program. This individual did not want to hear the letter, did not want the letter read, and came to the meeting all fired up, actually came to our business meeting and stormed out of the business meeting extremely angry um, with lots of profanity and yelling, and it was embarrassing and it was hard. Um, all I can do is feel like, did I do everything in my power to keep my side of the street clean? And I feel like we tried to do that. And I still would like to have the perspective that the meeting is still available for that individual if they ever would like to come back. We did not ask that individual to leave. We just wanted the traditions to be adhered to and requested that. And sometimes with a person who is not really trying to adhere to the principles or whatever is going on, that's hard for them to hear. So um, it was challenging and we walked through it and I feel good about how we did it. Uh, and sometimes conflict is like that. It's, you know, maybe there's things we could have done better, but we did the best that we could and we did it in the spirit of the traditions and, and we're learning, so that's it. I have a question, actually. So, so far, up to this point, you've talked about the individual adhering to the traditions in service work. What about the group? When you see a group, in some of your experiences with groups, that take the group experience a little bit too far, a little bit too strict, and as people with experience in recovery know, if certain people continue to go to these groups, they're going to end up getting drunk or they're going to be limited with their experience. For example, uh, a very close friend of mine just got out of treatment, 34 days sober. I went to a meeting. Their sponsor saw them with me at the meeting. She's a member of opposite sex. I've known her since the seventh grade, but her sponsor pulled me away and said, no, within the first year, newcomers are not allowed to talk to members of the opposite sex. Now, every, every home group has their own rules. At what point do you find it appropriate to speak up about the home group? And let me clarify that a little bit more. One of the rules of this home group is that members of that home group have no business going to any AA meetings outside of that home group. Oh, that's a sick Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Give it time. I, 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 know, I know where I'm going to go. So the question is, at the group level, at what point do you need to speak up as somebody with experience? Yeah, it's, it is on. Yeah, I'm Allison. I'm an alcoholic. We have a community, a sub-community in Anchorage that is not quite that extreme, but um, there are rules, which, um, and, and, and here's the thing. I love going to their meetings, 
periodically because they have great enthusiasm. They do a lot of um, recreational stuff together. They, they take a lot of people under their wing. They're also one of the groups where if there's a newcomer, 40 people descend on that poor newcomer screaming, I'll be your sponsor, I'll be your sponsor, and they scare a lot of people. Um, and, they, and they do have a lot of rules about, you know, if you can talk to, to the opposite sex in your, when you're early and stuff like that. But what I've found is there's a sort of self-policing kind of attitude that, um, you know, it's working really well for some of those people. And if they need that kind of structure and it helps them stay sober, you know, what, what I hope for is that some of them will eventually use it as, you know, this is kindergarten and first grade and eventually I'll grow up a little bit and I won't need mommy and daddy quite so much. And so the rest of us, the, the rest of the groups in Anchorage, um, pretty much, you know, I have to admit there is a certain amount of gossip and, and, and um, disapproval and sort of superiority from some people about those people. But um, I find that they serve a purpose. And, and because the tradition says each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting AA as a whole or other groups, I, I'm kind of okay with the fact that these, this particular group, and then there's like four or five different meetings that they have. Um, because they really are saving lives. There are some people who don't know how to behave or don't know how to get out of bed or don't know how to brush their teeth and they need somebody to say, this is what you need to do today. And, and my experience is that it's kind of like if you pour a liquid onto an uneven surface, it will eventually level out and, and I think that's kind of what happens with, with us in Anchorage is we have this this sub-community of people in recovery. And they do great work, they do a lot of service, they have some great conferences, and they're just very enthusiastic about how they operate. Um, it doesn't sound quite as extreme as the group that you're describing, but it's approaching that. And, and so far, it's okay, but we watch. And yet, there's a higher power in charge of this whole deal. And, and I kind of allow, we kind of allow it as a community because it is helping some people. And some people do leave. I've sponsored some refugees from that group. <laughs> so, I know that I'm not in control of anything. Maybe my car when I'm driving it, or my bike when I've got the handlebars. But as a sponsor, I suggest to the men that I sponsor, when you go to a meeting, look for a meeting. Have you ever heard, I've never been to a bad AA meeting? Have you ever heard that? I sure have. Just poison spewing from people. They think that it's treatment, or because of a lack of sponsorship, that they think that they're supposed to get up here and talk about their feelings. But we know the reason that we have an AA meeting is so that a newcomer could hear a message of hope. That's it. And those are the guys that I sponsor. I say to them, if you don't have something that's going to help the room, then you don't have to say anything. But also, while you're going to meetings, 
Ask people who you think that you admire their sobriety, people who, who look like they're comfortable with what they have, people who have what they want. Ask them, do you know where there's any solution-based meetings? And my suggestion would be, if you're going to a meeting where there's a bunch of adversity, find another meeting. That's like the, the serenity prayer, to accept the things I cannot change, all those people, all those opinions, all those personalities, fine, go ahead and have that. I'm gonna go to another meeting where I see people that are more involved with reaching out and trying to help the newcomer. Well, I'd like to share something really uncomfortable that I had to do. Uh, I was, at that time, maybe chair of AIS, Al-Anon Information. No, I probably was the treasurer. But um, I had to actually fire a volunteer uh, because that person was um, embezzling money, basically. And it was, uh, it was kind of an interesting thing because there were three or four of us that had gathered. I didn't do it on, you know, single-mindedly, but there were three or four of us that gathered together and um, we very carefully wrote a letter which uh, informed what we were about to do and we all, we set up an appointment with the person and guess who was the only one that showed up? And uh, I went ahead and I carried out the group's uh, decision and I asked the person to step down and um, I survived. I survived it. It wasn't pleasant. I wasn't, you know, I, ho I, had, I had no idea that I would ever have to do something like that inside Al-Anon, but, uh, you know, what is it? The greatest, our, our unity, it's about unity and this person was doing something that was very destructive to our whole fellowship, to the whole community of Al-Anon. And at that time, I felt that if we can't be good stewards of the money that we have, uh, our fellowship will fall apart. And um, it continued to hurt our fellowship for many years. It's finally, I believe, we've finally gotten past it, um, but you know, at the time, I've, I did what felt was right for our bunch of people at that time. And would I handle it the same way today? Probably not. But that's what I did, and that's what uh, was a group conscience, and it was, it was not my favorite thing to carry out. But nonetheless, it was important, and it's hardest thing, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, that's for sure. Thanks. Thank you so much to our panel and for our questions and for being here. And um, we are going to circle up and say a closing prayer. I did just want to announce uh, briefly that there are some service opportunities for um, greeters and the raffle table and the cups and t-shirts. If you feel like you want to do an hour of service um, and you're a member or not, or just want to check that out, there are opportunities for that. Just stop at the individual places and ask them and they'll be happy to accept that help. So um, let's cir circle up and close with the serenity prayer.
guess we'll, uh, I guess we're gonna get on the phone. I don't know. Come on, Gilda. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm gonna have you lead it then, Danny. Danny. Danny, you're, you're up. What? You have to, because you're giving me a hard time. Start the he doesn't need the mic for that. God. God.